From the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association, welcome to online version number 22 of Grapevine. Officially numbered volume 40, number 34, and recorded on the 21st of August, 2020. In this week's news, a tragic boating accident leads to the death of a woman at the Great Yarmouth Yacht Station. The GCSE grades are in the hands of students. We take a look at some local results. And new holiday jobs are in the offing at the local Haven Holidays sites. Hi, I'm Graham, your presenter, and joining me from home is this week's newsreader, Disney, who also takes a look at what's new on TV this week. We will, however, start in the traditional fashion with the first part of the news. Hello, everybody. It's Desney here, and I'm really glad to be reading the news for you again. We've had a bit of everything going on lately. With lockdown easing, that's brought plenty of staycation holidaymakers to Norfolk. And as always, it's a bit of a mixed blessing for the local residents. It's great for the local economy and the tourist industry, as long as they don't get in our way and bring anything nasty with them. We've had sweltering heat as well as stormy weather with torrential rain, causing havoc in some places. And we've also got eat out to help out going on from Mondays to Wednesdays this month. So we're probably in for some varied news this week. So let's see what we've got. The Broads Authority offers sympathy to family of boat tragedy victim. As people on the Norfolk Broads come to terms with the death of a woman in her 30s, a message of sympathy has been issued to her family. Broads Authority Chief Executive John Packman said, Our deepest sympathies and condolences are with the woman's family, who are being supported by specialist services. The incident is being investigated by the Marine Accident Investigation Branch, MAIB, and the police, who will release further details in due course. For now, we are focusing on supporting our staff who were first on the scene and who dealt with this emergency with calm professionalism, as well as reassuring and supporting those visitors on the River Bure who witnessed the incident. We would like to thank the Coast Guard, emergency services and the local community, including boatyards, businesses and contractors, who all worked together to ensure other river users were safe and given clear instructions while the situation was being managed. Fatalities on the Broads are a very rare occurrence and the Authority, in partnership with the Coast Guard and local emergency services, have robust safety systems in place. These measures ensure that many thousands of visitors have an enjoyable and safe experience in the Broads National Park. This statement came after a woman in her 30s and from London died on Wednesday August the 19th after falling from the back of a cruiser and getting stuck underneath. 
an eyewitness said the boat was performing a manoeuvre when it struck the quay wall at North Quay in Great Yarmouth, causing her to lose her footing. Despite the efforts of the emergency services, which responded in large numbers, she was pronounced dead at the scene. A spokesman for the Marine Accident Investigation Branch said the incident was reported to MAIB and we are liaising closely with the police and conducting a preliminary assessment of the causes and circumstances of the fatal accident. Based on the initial information provided, MAIB has not launched an investigation. Meanwhile, Norfolk Police said it was preparing a file for the coroner. A family from Mansfield, moored at the yacht station on Thursday morning, August the 20th, said they'd been stopped from entering the river the day before during the operation and had made their way to Reedham instead. There was no sign of the previous day's frantic activity carried out during a downpour and the family were enjoying the early morning sunshine. With six people on board, including four children aged 6 to 15, the holidaymaker said the tragedy was a reminder of how dangerous the Norfolk Broads could be. She said some people would think it was really safe, but you've only got to use your head to know that it's not. There is danger everywhere, even if you are the strongest swimmer. At the height of the response, some 20 vehicles from across the fire and ambulance services, Coast Guard, RNLI and specialist units rushed to the scene. The air ambulance was also called, landing near to Asda. North River Road, North Quay and Lawn Avenue were closed for around four hours during the operation. Three teams of divers arrived at the scene after ambulances and fire crews left and were then setting up equipment. The River Bure was also closed to boat traffic and the cordon was pushed back twice to stop people getting too close to the incident. The Acle Strait closed after a crash on the A47. A stretch of the A47 was closed on Thursday afternoon after a three-vehicle crash. Norfolk police were called to reports of the collision on the Acle Strait near the Acle Roundabout at 2.50pm on Thursday, August the 20th. The road was blocked while emergency services remained at the scene. Police said the road was closed at 3pm and there was some traffic build-up at the Acle roundabout. Fire appliances from Great Yarmouth, Sprouston and Carrow attended the collision. Crews helped make the scene safe, while vehicle occupants were released into the care of ambulance staff. Exam grades. Pupils overwhelmed at Galston Academy on GCSE Results Day 2020. Students returning to school for the first time since lockdown felt overwhelmed as they picked up their GCSE results. As with other educational establishments across the country, students at the Lingrove Academy in Galston were given the choice to either receive their results via email or pick them up in person. And more than half 
decided to collect the dreaded envelope. Annabelle Ives, 16, said, I just wanted to do it properly, to open it with an envelope. She was very happy with her results. When it got changed to teacher's grades, it felt better, she said. Planning now to attend East Norfolk Sixth Form College, where she'll study law and business. She said this year has been difficult. We didn't get to leave school the way we wanted to, she said. Principal Alison Mobb said, We haven't seen these guys since March, so it's very exciting for us to see them again. And yes, some of them have grown in lockdown. Some 79% of pupils achieved a grade 4 or above in English and 76 of pupils achieved a grade 4 or above in maths. The Academy, a member of Creative Education Trust, also achieved 71% grade 4 or above, 46% grade 5 or above and 13% grade 7 or above in English and maths. Miss Mobbs added, we have so many reasons to be proud of this year group. They embraced the spirit of Lynn Grove Academy from the very beginning. They are a group of hard-working, determined and enthusiastic young people and these excellent GCSE results reflect that. Chloe Damel, 16, passed all her subjects and hopes to get an apprenticeship working in administration at James Paget Hospital. Returning to the school, she said, felt a bit overwhelming. Siobhan J, 16, will go to East Norfolk to study English literature, art, dance and psychology and hopes to be a dancer. Shayla Graham said, I did a lot better than I thought. The plan overall is I'd like to become a midwife, she added. At Ormiston Venture Academy, Juliana Mercado achieved nine grades and will move on to the next step in her dream to become a pilot, having secured a covered scholarship to Gresham's. Principals at Caister Academy, Akel Academy, Flake High Ormiston and Cliff Park Ormiston Academy also praised their pupils' achievements. Holiday Park Firm creates new jobs in Norfolk to cope with staycation demand. Holiday company Haven, with four parks in Norfolk, is offering up hundreds of jobs to cope with a surge in bookings. With people wary of taking a holiday abroad because of the coronavirus quarantine restrictions, bookings have surged at seaside venues closer to home, such as holiday parks in Caister-on-Sea, Hopton and Yarmouth. When the firm reopened in May, it saw web bookings increase 96% in a week. As a result, 17 new jobs will be offered at Haven's Caister-on-Sea Holiday Park and nine at Seashore, Yarmouth. Full and part-time accommodation cleaners, coaches, support team members and cleaning operations managers are available. It comes after Haven, owned by the Broad Leisure Group, decided to extend its holiday bookings to November for the first time in its history to recoup losses while it had to close because of coronavirus. The new extension is available at eight 
out of 37 of its parks nationwide, including Caestron Sea. Normally, the season would close in October. Chief People Officer Sarah Dickens said, These roles will be significant in supporting our existing accommodation teams as we increase the capacity and welcome more guests onto our parks. The roles are in addition to our existing accommodation teams and are pertinent to our ongoing operational changes to help with increased demand and ensure guests feel safe and secure whilst on holiday with us during the pandemic. Gerard Tempest, Director of Guest and Proposition at Haven, said, We're delighted to be able to extend our 2020 season and with that the chance for a UK getaway. With a number of travel restrictions in place and previous closures to holiday parks throughout the UK, there are many guests that weren't able to enjoy the holiday they'd previously planned for 2020. Our 2020 and 2021 sales have been strong across all regions in the UK and since launching Haven Hideaways in May, we've seen web bookings increase by 96% over a one-week period. Well, that's good news for a change, isn't it? And a timely reminder here that it's almost time for us to think about flu vaccinations for this winter. Having a flu vaccination this winter will make a massive difference to the strain on the NHS, Chief Nurse says. A Chief Nurse has said getting a flu vaccination this winter will be crucial in helping to ease the winter strain on NHS staff. Carolyn Fowler took over as Director of Nursing in September at the Norfolk Community Health and Care Trust, NCHC, and worked with other executives to lead its response to the pandemic through its Incident Command Centre. Like other health and social care organisations, the Trust is working on its winter response to ensure support for staff in the wake of further winter pressure caused by a possible second wave of the virus. She said the Trust was encouraging the public to get a flu vaccination which would support the Norfolk and Waveney Clinical Commissioning Group to reduce the need for hospital admissions during winter. Mrs Fowler said, getting the flu vaccination, that is going to make a massive difference to the health emergency. It is one thing doing it once, most major incidents are done, but this isn't finished. Preparations for the winter is where we have got to support our staff. I've never known anything like it in over 30 years in my career as a nurse. She has continued to lead communication across the Trust and work with external partners and this week welcomed back some staff who had been shielding. Mrs Fowler said, we worked very closely together. It was important to be consistent for staff and for patients across Norfolk. Sometimes it took interpretation of the guidelines to get the best impact and doing the same things. It felt more connected. The community staff did an amazing job. They were adaptable and flexible. The mum of two was among a group of staff separated from their families during the pandemic. 
She lived at their home near Aylsham, while her husband David and dog Oscar remained in Hertfordshire to look after relatives. She would arrange to cook dinner at the same time as her husband and chat over WhatsApp, and met at Thetford for a socially distanced picnic. The couple also spent their 34th wedding anniversary apart for the first time. The Director of Nursing used her spare time to deliver medication around the community, adding it was a huge moment when the news broke that those living on their own could form support bubbles. Mrs Fowler, who has two grown-up children, Harry and Molly, said, We thought it might be for a month or so, and it was a good three. I haven't lived on my own, and I had never had to work as hard and have more responsibilities than I have ever had. So don't forget, flu jabs won't protect you against the COVID-19, but they will help reduce the strain on the NHS. And hopefully, a vaccination for COVID-19 will be coming soon. Thanks, Desney. Well, since Desney finished her home recording of the news, the Great Yarmouth Mercury website has produced a report on a visit today, Friday the 31st, from the Government Tourism Minister. And so here's the lowdown. Tourism Minister visits Norfolk to back attractions hit by COVID-19. From sea creatures to samphire, today, Friday the 21st of August, a Government Minister has enjoyed a whistle-stop tour of Norfolk tourism as it bounces back from the pandemic. Tourism Minister and MP for Mid Worcestershire, Nigel Huddleston, visited some of the county's top visitor attractions and destinations during the day trip to discover how businesses are working hard to reassure visitors. During the flying visit, he saw two Norman masterpieces, the 900-year-old Norwich Cathedral, which is soon to host the National History Museum's Dippy the Dinosaur, a feature it hopes will attract thousands of visitors. And he also visited Norwich Castle. Norfolk County Council Director of Culture and Heritage, Steve Miller, detailed the work now beginning on a 13.5 National Lottery Heritage Fund-supported gateway to medieval England redevelopment of the castle's keep, restoring it to how it looked as a 12th century royal palace. The minister, who was invited to see and hear about the impact on Norfolk tourism by Visit East of England's campaign, then went to the Sea Life Centre in Great Yarmouth. With tourism one of the key industries in the county, business owners have warned an upturn in visitor numbers in the remainder of the summer holiday period could be crucial for the sector to bounce back. Visit East of England Executive Director Peter Waters said, Government financial packages have helped kickstart business recovery, and it's clear from the large number of visitors the Minister has seen today that there is an appetite to get out and about again and enjoy our superb tourism offerings. But reassurance and safety are paramount. We can't allow a second COVID-19 spike because that will end tourism for 2020 and many businesses will not survive. So the message remains, 
Enjoy your visit, but please stay alert and adhere to social distancing rules. The Minister also visited Wroxham to see the Lentz boating businesses are going to to reassure visitors. And the final stop of the day-long tour was Cromer, where he enjoyed Cromer crab with samphire and cockle popcorn at Number One Cromer, owned and run by Michelin-starred Galton Blackiston and his wife Tracy. He also learnt more about the New Anglia Local Enterprise Partnership's Tourism Recovery Plan and Norfolk County Council's 2.2 million tourism sector support package from the Norfolk Strategic Fund. Mr Huddleston said, It was brilliant to visit Norfolk to hear about all the important work being undertaken to ensure that visitors are able to enjoy attractions like Norwich Cathedral and the Great Yarmouth Sea Life Centre safely. The tourism sector has been hit hard by the coronavirus and we have helped with an unprecedented package of measures, including the job retention scheme, a year's business rates holiday and most recently a £4 billion reduction in VAT, all those benefiting the sector. OK, let's go back to Disney for the second part of the news. I hope people use it. Town Centre Bakery reopens under new management. A town bakery that had traded for more than 150 years before closing has reopened under new management. The premises on Northgate Street in Great Yarmouth, formerly known as J.D. Bales & Son, was filled again with the smell of fresh bread on Monday the 17th of August as husband and wife team Ed and Amy Shearing, who already run the new Norfolk oven on Hamilton Road, took over the shop. The original bakery had shut in February last year and although later taken over by a Portuguese couple, their venture lasted only four months and in September it closed again. Amy Shearing said she and her husband decided to take over the shop last November and were planning to open in April, but coronavirus pushed the date back as it was difficult trying to source materials and equipment. In February, they had ordered display cabinets from Italy. We finally got them at the end of June. It took that long, she said. But lockdown gave the couple the opportunity to refurbish the premises. Because we had a big shutdown, we were able to get it done. The bakery is at least 150 years old, so a lot of maintenance was needed. Her husband, Ed, the baker, used to work at Bales with the previous owner's father, so he knows the bakery well and he loved working here. Bakery sells traditional fare including fresh bread, rolls, Cornish pasties, sausage rolls, vanilla slices, Eccles cakes, filled rolls and chocolate oaties. Amy said response to the reopening had been positive. Everyone has said they like what we've done with the shop, that it's lovely to have a traditional bakery back. It's a risk opening a new shop just now, but there is a niche in the market for this place and I hope people use it, she said. The couple opened the new Norfolk Bakery in 2006 and last year 
A survey revealed it was the most popular bakery in the town. Shearing's Bakery is open on Monday from 6.30am to 2pm and Tuesday to Saturdays from 6.30am to 2.30pm. And next we have Little and 240 Houses bid prompts traffic chaos concerns. A bid to build 240 houses and a discount supermarket on the coast has prompted concern about the impact of increased traffic on the area. Norfolk County Council, which owns the 34 acres of farmland south of Lynx Road between Galston and Hopton, has commissioned NPS property consultants to submit a planning application for on the site. But objections to the proposals have said it would lead to chaos. The development would see 240 new homes, with 15% of these being affordable housing, and a little supermarket with a car park containing 130 spaces. There would be a mix of one to four bedroom houses, including single, two and two and a half storey houses, and access to the development would be from Lynx Road. While a public drop-in event will not be held due to the coronavirus pandemic, a website has been set up to allow the community to browse the plans and comment on specific aspects of the proposals. So far, the plans have received more than 100 responses, with many concerned Lynx Road is not adequate to cope with the inevitable increased volume in traffic. One person said the entrance will cause havoc at the top of Lynx Road. Another said the road is not big enough to cope with the influx of traffic and people and it would bring chaos to a small residential area of mainly elderly population. The thought of the adjacent A47 roundabout becoming backlogged with traffic trying to get in and out of a 130-space supermarket car park led another respondent to say the development would be totally inappropriate for the area. Another person asked, would the designer be happy to have years living with stunning countryside as a view from their window, only for it to be replaced with a car park and supermarket? Although many respondents agreed South Galston needs a grocery shopping option, some have said it should instead be located at Beacon Park. One person said a Waitrose would be more appropriate to residents' budget choices and more aesthetically pleasing on the eye. Broad's boaters trapped after bridge unable to swing open. A mechanical fault at a Broad's bridge has left holidaymakers trapped and unable to complete a return trip. Boaters have reported becoming stuck at Beckles, Alton Broad and Borough St Peter following a mechanical fault at Summer Leighton Bridge. Many are now saying they've been unable to return rental boats and some are struggling to get home altogether. In a Facebook post, the Broad's authority said, Urgent boating news. Network Rail has informed us that Reedham Swing Bridge is now operational but Summer Leighton Swing Bridge is unable to open to river traffic due to a mechanical fault. 
Peter Thompson, who was supposed to be travelling back to Brundle via the bridge with his wife and parents, says their boating party is trapped in Beckles Marina. It doesn't really look chaotic or anything, and everyone is calm, but there's definitely an impatience growing, as we want to know how and when we'll get moving, and when it'll be fixed. He said Reedham Bridge was down on Friday, and when we went past it, there was a lot of boating traffic trying to get through. What we think has happened is that parts from Summerleighton Bridge were used to fix Reedham Bridge, since that's an important passage for seafaring boats. This has not been confirmed by the Broads Authority. Mr Thompson said the Broads Authority were only providing updates via their Facebook page rather than their website. My wife and I are going back to London tomorrow, so we'll get a taxi to Norwich and we'll be fine. But my parents need to get the boat back to Brundle. They've got no idea when that'll be. My dad is in his 60s and he's just had to download Facebook for the first time in his life. The news comes as Great Yarmouth's Haven Bridge created similar problems for boaters last week, with Norfolk County Council confirming the bridge is unable to lift due to electrical issues. Norfolk County Councillor Martin Wilby confirmed the bridge would not be lifted for the time being over fears it may get stuck. Oh dear, that sounds like a bit of a problem. I have lost £80,000. Homeowners regret as builder vows to compensate for botched extension. A builder has promised to compensate a mother of two after she was left almost £80,000 out of pocket following a botched home extension which had to be torn down. Vicky Milam, 50, a nurse who lives at Heather Gardens in Belton, was supposed to end up with a two-storey side extension for herself and her 14-year-old twin daughters, costing £32,000. Instead, bank statements show she transferred a total of £79,550 to the contracted builders for work which was never completed. She said... We signed the contract in November 2019 with Diamond Standard Renovations and by December it was apparent they were totally out of their depth. They kept saying they'd gone over budget and I needed to transfer more money. But by the time they left the site when lockdown hit in late March, I'd been left with a sagging roof, diagonal walls, an insecure RSJ, dangling live electrical cables and gas pipes which had been built into the cavity wall. Virtually everything but the footings had to later be removed. But Rhys Lloyd, one of the builders who co-signed the contract with Mrs Milam, alongside his business partner Kyle Muir, said he acknowledged what he has done. He said, I wasn't in a good place at the time and I'm sorry for what I did. As far as bankruptcy goes, I will be looking into a way of paying her back with no assets involved, but it will be a very long process. I have resumed working with my old employer, who will vouch that I never meant to build something which would have to be torn down. Vicky has recently sent me a letter for what compensation she wants, 
which I am in the process of replying to. But Mr Lloyd added that his ex-business partner, Mr Muir, left the company at Roof Height and, as a result, Mr Lloyd said the job became very overwhelming. In response, Mr Muir said that what happened at the property is not his responsibility. He said, I sold my part of the company to Mr Lloyd in December 2019, after our relationship broke down. According to Alan Osborne, who works for the council-approved independent inspectorate, Build Insight, the cheapest course of action for Ms Milam was outright demolition. He was not able to visit the property in March due to government recommendations, but assessed the security of the build via photographs and descriptions from Mrs Milam's neighbours. He said, from what I could see, the brickwork was clearly out of plumb and one of the newly built walls hadn't actually been secured to the existing property. We always check if the work is secure rather than taking workmanship into account, but it's a striking achievement to build a diagonal wall. A spokesperson for Norfolk County Council Trading Standards said they had been informed of the situation by Ms Milam and are in direct contract with the consumer. But for Ms Milam, taking out two loans to pay for the work, maxing out a credit card and remortgaging her house will mean she is in debt until she's 68. She said the past few months have been horrible. Not only have we been living without an oven or even running water, but I just feel naive to have taken these guys on. They were recommended to me on Facebook, had a professional portfolio and were by no means the cheapest option. It turns out I was manipulated and now I've lost everything. The contract we signed said they'd do all the building work and fit the new kitchen and bathroom. I now realise that was probably too good to be true. However, Ms Milam said that a blossoming friendship between herself and her neighbours was the one positive outcome of the ordeal. She said, my neighbours watched the work from afar and eventually intervened when it was clear my house was unsafe. I felt helpless, but I'm so grateful for what they did. Chantelle Hutchinson, 26 and three doors down, set up a fundraising page during lockdown asking for manpower and material donations while Mrs Milam's neighbours began dismantling the botched extension themselves in April. More news shortly, but here's Desney with some observations on the coming week's TV. Well, how's your TV viewing been going lately? Are you still fed up with seeing the same old things? Have you seen enough of the old soaps? Perhaps you prefer the quizzes and the game shows, or the dramas, or the reality shows, or sport, the snooker, or the cricket. Well, the iconic episodes on EastEnders, I think, have seemed to have come to an end. Um, Stacey Dooley is still going to do some interviews with characters with her secrets from the square. But on September the 8th, I believe, they're starting again with the bits that they've managed, finally, to film. 
after our lockdown. And it will be after the lockdown when they come back. They're not starting exactly where they left off. They're, they've all been through lockdown the same as us. Quite how that's going to work, I don't know. Talking of EastEnders, Natalie Cassidy, who's probably better known as Sonia from EastEnders, is going to be in a new comedy that I've been hearing lots about. It's called Mandy. It's about a woman trying to navigate her way through life, apparently. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard good things about it. Even Janet Street Porter on Loose Women was saying made her laugh, so I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. It's um, written and directed and produced by Diane Morgan, and written by Diane Morgan, I mean. So, well, she's done a good job, I think, because everyone's told me about it. And the last episode... They're only 15-minute episodes, which perhaps is nice sometimes. The last episode, which goes out on next Thursday, there are two episodes each week. First is at 9.30 and 9.45. And Natalie Cassidy is going to be in the final episode on Thursday at 9.45. Apparently, she wants Mandy to come and join them in a heist of some sort. So you might find that quite interesting to see. And as it's only 15 minutes... Well, you can probably enjoy that and take it all in. Don't have time to sit there for much longer than 15 minutes sometimes. Anyway, whatever you prefer, there's something for everybody this week. On Saturday, the voice kids start the semi-finals. And the film to follow that for you James Bond fans is Licence to Kill. Finally, on Friday of next week... There's a programme on Channel 4, which is another social experiment, which is called Lodgers for Codgers. And it investigates what happens when separate generations live together. And 19-year-old Liam is going to move in with 83-year-old Flo in Brighton to see how they get on with each other. Apparently, she wants him to take her clubbing. That should be interesting. Well... I'm always be pleased to know what programmes you've liked on TV and whether there's anything you'd like me to tell you about or remind you of. So if there is anything, let us know on our website. Right, over to the last batch of this week's news roundup. It's been one hell of a week. Car smashes into pub hours after power cut blaze. A car smashed through a pub door just hours after it reopened following a disastrous power cut. The landlady at the Ferry Inn at Stokesby had just closed up after a difficult day dealing with the aftermath of a substation blaze when she heard an almighty crash. Alison Brewster and family members were stunned to discover a car had crashed into the Riverside building. It came on the same day, Saturday, August the 15th. Opening was delayed and food from eight fridges had to be disposed of after a long power outage caused by a transformer fire. It's been one hell of a week. It's just insane, she said. Last night I was genuinely speechless. We'd just locked up at around 9.30pm and were sat at the bar when we heard this almighty crash. We opened the door and just saw a car there. It's really not something you expect. No one was injured in the crash. 
police and a fire crew from Acle were called to the scene and removed the vehicle, taking around 25 minutes. Mrs Brewster said she was just thankful that no one was hurt. They were able to secure the building for the night and the brewery is sending a specialist team to properly repair the damage and match the decorative frame. Although the pub building is not listed, a nearby barn that forms part of the complex is. The pub site on the River Bure is reckoned to have one of the best pub gardens on the Broads. At the height of the lockdown, the pub and its team won praise for pulling out all the stops to support villagers with shopping and deliveries. Access is via a narrow lane off Mill Road and there is little to no passing traffic by the front door. It opened as usual the next day and planned to put up garden marquees ahead of forecast bad weather. Lakeside Wigwam bid for Borough Castle Farm and Fishery. A string of deluxe lakeside lodges could be springing up at a site in the Norfolk Broads. Up to 12 wigwam cabins are being proposed for a site in Borough Castle under a fishing and farm diversification project. In documents submitted to Great Yarmouth Borough Council, the Oak Farm development on the site of Hall Farm Fisheries is being tipped as an eco-friendly holiday haven with nature at its heart. They say the vision is to blend into the natural beauty of the area and bring people to the countryside in a well-considered development, respectful of its context. The glamping bid would be part of the Wigwam Holidays Network, which operates in some 80 sites across the UK, including in Cromer at Forest Park and in Bury St Edmunds at Magley Rosso. Drawings submitted in support of plans showed domed wooden pods dotted around the fishing lake. It is described as a tranquil setting, perfect for high-end tourism. The pods, one of which will be fully wheelchair accessible, will be insulated and available for year-round stays. In time, hot tubs could be added, the papers say. Parking for use of the fishing lake will be retained and 11 new spaces created for guests. The development will create one part-time and two full-time jobs. People have until August the 26th to comment on the application. The mugs will win. Crockery standoff continues on the A47 with Mr Bakeup. A giant mug atop its own plinth has appeared on an A47 roundabout at the centre of a bizarre crockery bombing phenomena. Emblazoned with the words Mr Big, the latest edition is drawing chuckles from passers-by, amused by the saga. It started weeks ago with a few lone teacups on the hitherto unremarkable traffic island at the junction of Middleton Road and Lowestoft Road on the A47 at Galston. In time, it was added to by a mystery person or persons until some 40 mugs and cups sat among the weeds and chippings. While many hailed the phenomenon as a bit of fun that made a feature of a dull and unloved roundabout, 
There were concerns that the display was a distraction and that anyone tempted to add their own shiner could be putting themselves at risk crossing the busy carriageway. Amid growing notoriety and the addition of a chamber pot, the cups were removed by highways agency officials. In the weeks that followed, they once more multiplied and were again taken away. My word, I think I was here at the beginning of the saga. New ride, ah, temporary thrill ride unveiled at the theme park. A new thrill ride has been brought in at Norfolk theme park after one of the main attractions was suspended. The brand new Lightning 360 had been a big hit with riders at Great Yarmouth's Pleasure Beach after a shaky start which saw it stuck in Italy due to COVID-19. However, park owner Albert Jones said a manual recovery time of seven minutes could mean people were left hanging upside down for too long and it had been temporarily taken out of action. He stressed there was no safety issue and that anyone who had ridden it had not been in any danger. Engineers are due at the park this week to find a way to speed up the process in the event of it stopping mid-ride due to safety sensors or a power issue. Instead, and to ensure thrill seekers will get their adrenaline fix, a new ride has been commandeered from Cambridge. Jetfire Extreme is a temporary edition set to be on the park until September the 6th. Of the towering 360, Mr Jones said, there's nothing wrong with the ride, but if we had a problem, the recovery time is not quick enough. It's brand spanking new and all under warranty. It's the first one they've made and the manufacturers are bending over backwards. It had been tested and our inspectors were happy with it. But it's only when you start operating a ride that you get to know it. The recovery system needs to be much more simple. Some people could be upside down and it's not comfortable. We've been up there and experienced it. He hoped the 360 would be whizzing again in the next few weeks, meaning visitors would have two new rides to enjoy. Jetfire Extreme is billed as bringing high-octane thrills and spills to the pleasure beach. Park director Jamie Jones said, You never know quite which direction you'll be going in, which adds to the excitement. The new COVID-19 admission scheme was working well, but the cap on numbers meant the park couldn't see the benefits on the really big days when it would have been heaving. I want proof that the knife attacker is deported, says a judge. A judge has asked for written confirmation that a dangerous offender who carried out a knife attack in Great Yarmouth is deported at the end of his 28th month sentence. Petru Dragoi, 37, who has a long list of convictions back in Romania for offences including rape and robbery, carried out the knife attack in the early hours and then dumped the knife in St Peter's Plain before his arrest, a court heard. The victim who was a passenger in a car, suffered a stab wound to his bicep but was not seriously injured. But a judge described Dragoi as a danger and would have imposed an extended sentence 
but for the fact it would mean Dragoy remaining in the UK for longer. Dragoy of Garfield Road, Great Yarmouth, pleaded guilty to possession of an offensive weapon and wounding on February the 28th this year. Stephen Mather, prosecuting, said Dragoy got into an argument with a group in a parked car in Deanside and had reached inside the car to stab the victim in the bicep with what was described as a hunting knife. Mr Mather said the victim had not wanted to make any victim impact statement about his injury. Jailing him for 28 months, Judge Andrew Shaw told Dragoy, In my judgment, you are dangerous. He said Dragoy had a long list of serious convictions in Romania and committed this offence not long after coming to the UK. Judge Shaw said in the UK he could have faced a life sentence alone for the rape in which he had taken the victim to a secluded location before he raped and robbed her. He said Dragoy had also committed robberies and thefts and in 2016 he had committed another robbery in Romania. You must have served that sentence and then at some point travelled to the UK and committed the knife attack not long after you arrived. He said it was no longer up to a judge to recommend deportation, but in his case he wanted confirmation that he was deported. I regard it as wholly undesirable for you to remain in this country or ever enter in this country again. Daniel O'Donovan for Dragoy said that he wanted to return to Romania as soon as possible. He came to the UK in the hope of making some money. Road to close for three weeks for drainage maintenance. A stretch of road in a village outside Great Yarmouth will close for three weeks for drainage maintenance work. The job, scheduled to begin on Monday, August the 24th, will see Norfolk County Council install new gullies along Lord's Lane and Church Lane in Bradwell. The gullies will be connected to existing drainage system which runs underneath the road while old manhole covers will be replaced and road markings refreshed. The work, costing approximately £60,000, is anticipated to take approximately three weeks to complete, subject to suitable weather conditions. The road will be closed between Elm Avenue and Fellows Drive as trenches need to be dug in the road to connect the new gullies to the existing system. Access to properties will be maintained and a diversion rule will be signed for traffic during closure. The County Council has thanked people in advance for their patience while the work is carried out by its Community and Environmental Services Department and their contractors. Bid for 67 homes at Gateway to Scrapby. A bid to build homes on a wedge of land would create a village green gateway for the seaside community. Lowestoft-based Badger Building claims its proposal for bungalows and houses would be an opportunity to create a character gateway to Scrapby. Planning documents submitted to Great Yarmouth Borough Council reveal the developer is looking to build 28 bungalows and 39 houses on land along Scrapby Road, formerly a fruit-growing and pick-your-own field. 
some 13 properties will be affordable. They say six people responded to a consultation which saw 30 leaflets delivered. Concerns raised included the effect on the quiet village, capacity at schools and the doctor's surgery, as well as the ability of sewerage and infrastructure to cope. Two responses were in general support. Plans show homes overlooking a central green and a character village green alongside the A149. Councillor Jeff Freeman, whose Great Yarmouth Borough Council ward includes the site, said the plans were worthy of good consideration. They supersede a previous application for 19 homes on the same site, which was approved. People have until September the 5th to have their say. Work starting on major water pipe to protect Norfolk Broad's Fen. Work has started in a major water pipe to protect a conservation area and maintain water supply for thousands of homes. Anglia Water is putting in three kilometres worth of pipeline connecting Ludham to Horsted Water Tower. The work is being done because the utilities giant will stop taking water from a borehole near Ludham to protect nearby Catfield Fen, which is a renowned site of special scientific interest and part of the Norfolk Broads. Currently, water from the groundwater source supplies 3,000 homes. Jeff Darch, Water Resources Strategy Manager for Anglian Water, said, Our role as a water company is to carefully manage our customers' demand for water and the needs of the wider environment simultaneously. Water will then be transferred across the county from the company's main treatment centre on Higham Street, Norwich, and the project is expected to be complete by March 2021. Well, that's just about it for another edition of Grapevine. And we have to tell you that Grapevine, Volume 40, Number 34, is copyright 2020 of the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association. The content, in the main, is adapted from the publications of Arch and Limited and is used with their consent. However, the Great Yarmouth and District Talking Newspaper Association accept responsibility for editorial decisions made for this recording. Andrew will be with us next week when we hope that you will give us the pleasure of your company for another local news roundup. So from Desney and myself, it's bye for now. Have a great week, keep well and keep safe. Bye. Bye.